And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. With me, I have Jess, or should I call you just Psycho Jess, based off of <laughs> based off of what I see here. <laughs> They're not mutually exclusive, so whatever you think. Okay. Okay, sounds great to me. Uh, so tonight, we're actually reviewing the 2000s movie Psycho, starring Christian Bale, and also, of course, William Defoe was in this movie, Jared Leto was which is also his breakout role in a sense, though, as well, when it comes down to Jared Leto being in this movie. And this movie had a budget of $7 million. It made 34.3 million. It was very critical. It was received critically well. And it also had a big cult following uh, behind it afterwards. So, yes. But yeah, this movie is set in 1987, the life of wealthy New York investment banker Patrick Bateman. He revolves around dining at trendy restaurants while keeping up with appearances for his fiancée, Evelyn, and his circle of wealthy and shallow associates, most of whom he hates. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) And gets confused with quite often. (laughs) Most definitely. We could definitely agree with Bateman when it comes down to co-workers and things like that. And when we're first introduced to him, you don't know quite know what to think of Bateman at first. Because you're not expecting someone like from a Wall Street kind of perspective or a lawyer kind of person. You're thinking American Psycho. You're thinking of maybe like a loose cannon kind of guy that's not well uh, dressed sharp or anything like that. Then as soon as you're in the bar setting with Patrick Bateman and he's over there with his other friends passing around business cards, looking at the shape of the business cards and just being materialistic, it throws you well, for a loop. I, yeah, I think like right off the bat, you know, it, the movie opens with his dramatic monologue of his everyday routine. And you get this sense of... Um, well, you get this perspective about him that he he's so regimented. He's so it's almost like like it, it's not real. You know, it's almost like it's a facade because any normal human being has wacky, wild. You know, we don't do the same thing every day like he does. You know, it goes through every step of his skincare routine it goes through everything and then at the end of his monologue he says you may even think we um are alike or whatnot but i simply am not there you know so that right there shows you okay we're dealing with someone that in all appearances looks like you know your normal everyday business tycoon um but deep inside he has this uh, emptiness you know, and it comes out later, right. you see. And also, too, he also says that he doesn't like the monster that's within him as well. That's that is brewing inside of him either. So mm-hmm. that's another thing he says later on in the film as well, that he doesn't like yeah. who he's turning into. But right. uh, yeah. Then, of course, you know, she winds up going over to the bartender, which is a woman. And he says, I just want to stab you to death. And then. Uh, rub my fingers with your blood. Right. And, and and she has no clue. You know, of course you think, oh, the music's loud. You know, did he say that out loud or was it in his head? You know, it's right. kind of ambiguous. You know, we're left to think, oh, did he really say that? Like, would he really say that? But as the movie goes along, you start to see, like he says, you know, his mask, he's afraid his mask is going to slip. You see the mask start slipping on 
Patrick Bateman. You see how materialistic he is throughout the movie. Like you said, the business card, he just got, he was so obsessed with his business card and he was so um, upset when someone else liked Paul Allen's better, you know, that he got super jealous. You know, if he couldn't get, he was so materialistic. <laughs> if he couldn't get the best of everything, then nobody was going to have it. He didn't want anybody to have it. Exactly. It's all about him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but like the bartender scene, and then when he's in the uh, laundromat and he's yelling, he's like, I will effing kill you, you know, and the lady doesn't understand him and he's screaming and then someone he knows comes in and he kind of changes, you know, I was, um, I heard that he had based that, actually my husband told me this, that he had based that character off of, um, oh, just a moment, uh, uh, Tom Cruise on a, on a show. Um, I can't remember what show it was, but he saw it. He said just this overexcited type of person with nothing behind the eyes. <laughs> so he, he based it off of Tom Cruise on that particular talk show. I can definitely tell that he based that off of Tom Cruise, to be honest with you, especially the way he's talking and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah. His little his little movements and things. I mean, it's hard. It's American Psycho, but it's hard not to kind of like Patrick Bateman. You kind of feel a little uh, kindred spirit with him because he's so not understood. He constantly is called someone else's name, and that has to do with you know the yuppie culture back then. They're they're all collectively the same person. You know, they all have the same haircut. They all have the same fancy suits. They, their business cards are all the same. They all, they all say vice president, you know. Um, there's so much ambiguity in that, but you can just see they're all the same people. There's no individuality. And I think that's one thing that causes him to go so psychotic. He, he wants to be heard, you know. He wants someone to understand him a little bit, but he can't, like, nobody does. Nobody respects his individuality you know so so even like the scenes where he has the prostitutes or whatever what is he doing the whole time of course he's narcissistic and you know he's not there with them um and he's sadistic but he's telling them the facts he knows about Whitney Houston's album (laughs) like he's sitting there just spitting facts out because he's got to be smart the smartest person in the room he's got to be the one in the know he's got to be the best you know and if he's not that bloodlust, you know? Right. He's like, he's got to be the alpha male. He's got to show attention to himself. Also too, another thing I want to mention is the Huey Lewis thing. And then him just going off the reviews. He's like mimicking reviews that he's read about Huey Lewis, about Phil Collins, all that (laughs) stuff. And it's just pouring out of him to make him feel more sophisticated and stuff like that, especially with the prostitutes and the prostitutes don't even care. It's like, look, yeah. one prostitute is just like bored out of yeah. her mind. It's like, I thought I came up here to do the deed and you're not wanting anything but me listening to your commentary about Huey Lewis, Phil Collins. I don't care about that. Whitney Houston, nobody. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm. And, and the way that, well, I, the way he is in the restaurant scene when they're all sitting around talking about, you know, the political issues and he's like oh no that doesn't matter as much as this 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 and this you know we need to the world hunger and this and the nuclear arms race you know and he just throws off all this stuff that everybody's like okay <laughs> like 
you know, they they weren't even really thinking that deep, but he's got to go always one up somebody, you know. Exactly. And like I poor Paul though. Paul is just innocent. He's just showing his business card. Hey, look, do you want my business card? If you need anything, here's my business card. What do they do? They flaunt like they're getting baseball cards of who their favorite <laughs> basketball player or baseball player is. He goes, just look at that texture. Look at that. You know, you know, that's one of my favorite scenes, one of my very favorite scenes. And it's so stupid and comical, <laughs> you know, but it's so funny. But it's so realistic that that's how petty people are. You know, he just he had and he just he just instantly got pissed when they didn't pick his card like he and he had. Did you notice he had to be the first one to say, mm, I just picked him up from the printers and he put it down and they're like, oh, nice. And he had some bone and like say, oh, look. And then they all started kind of one up at him a little bit. But when it was Paul Allen, he just he just got that jealousy, that rage built up with him. It, especially it the monologue. Anita. Right. Especially in the monologue oh, part yeah. where he goes, he's like, wow, this has a watermark on it. Yeah. Yeah, and so going into the details of the font sizes and things like that, I'm like, whenever I'm handing the business cards, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, and that's the funny thing about this movie is it's so satirical, but it's so it's the satire of that the yuppie culture of that time. Like, oh, you have that bag. Like when he was dragging the body out of the hotel and you know, there was a security guard there just kind of looking at him like, oh, that's Patrick. And it's he's so popular and so rich and he's so this that he didn't even notice the body bag, like the person being drug out. Then when he puts him in the trunk, you know, puts the body in the trunk, um, I, I, the other one of his co-workers, oh, you have the I can't it's, it's not Armani, but it's some other bag, you know, and. He, they don't even notice it's a body. They're so wrapped up in the material things, you know. Oh, it's that kind of bag, you know. Exactly. So I think it's so funny. It's so over the top that, but it's sad because there's a lot of people out there that are are still in that mindset. You know, Patrick Bateman being the um, epitome and basically the poster child for that type of of yuppie, just materialistic, materialistic. wealth. He's he's the poster child, right? And then nobody course, would guess he was a psycho. Nobody would guess he's murdering people because why would he? He's Patrick Bateman, you know. And he can get away with this because he's so, you know, he, he's not, none of them would do that kind of thing, you know. He's not a psycho, right? And also, too, another thing I want to mention is this that I find uh, interesting. He winds up going uh, into this alleyway. He finds a homeless man. And the homeless man is broke. He goes, well, why aren't you uh, working or anything? He goes, because I was let go. I was fired. And next thing you know, he winds up stabbing him. Mm, yeah. And yeah. Kills see... him right there on the spot. Well, first right. he berates him. Just... You know, he berates yeah. him for being homeless, you know, <laughs> and down on his luck and just, just kills him, you know, after, after he, you know, he, he gave the guy a little bit of hope, you know, and so you think, oh, man, maybe he's not you know, that bad of a guy. <laughs> He's like, I can help you. But his help was to release him from his homelessness and kill him. You know, Right. Because I think he saw him as like as a disease. So he's like, I'm going to release you from your disease that you are mm. since you're homeless. And I have all this money and you don't. And basically it's your fault that you got fired. It's your fault that you got, that you're homeless. So I'm just going to release you from your disease that you are. 
and kill yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I got much. from that. Well, you know, sometimes I think maybe a little, he, he might have seen himself a little bit in that homeless man. Like, mm. you know, the whole movie, he kind of, he, like, even at the end when he says this whole confession was for nothing. Because for those of you who haven't seen it, he eventually murders Paul Allen and goes on this killing spree. And then at the end, um, he confesses to his lawyer on the phone and, and everything, but nobody believes him. Um, he even gets face to face with his lawyer. And then um, his lawyer's like, no, I had dinner with Paul Allen in London 10 days ago. That's not possible. But then he gets Paul Allen's, you know, um, apartment where he hid the bodies you know and of course it's cleaned out and there's nothing in the paper about this there's it's such a beautiful apartment in the prime right. region you and know nobody the real says estate anything. woman right and there's even a real estate woman showing the house and she's like well did you how did you find out about this listing did you get this from the times or did you get this <laughs> how did you come here and he goes from the times wrong from you the need times. to get out you need to get out yeah now. she's like no, but see, she saw him for what he was. And I think right. him, and if you notice, and I'll go back to my original point, but if you notice the people that he didn't kill are the ones he saw, who saw him for himself, his assistant, you know, she saw the drawing, she saw him for what he is, the cop who kind of knew, hey, you're, mm. you're, Indifo. I see. Right. Yeah. And then um, the, the um, real estate agent who was like, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, I, you need to leave. So, but hmm. I say that about the homeless guy to say that um, he, you know, he essentially has nowhere to go. Nobody listens to him. He's homeless. Nobody cares about him. He's trapped in that state of um, poverty. And I think psychologically, you know, Patrick Bateman sees that he's trapped psychologically in that psychological state of poverty where mm. he just keeps going down and down and, and he wants to kill it. Like you said, he didn't like the monster inside of him. You know, he wasn't, he didn't like it. So it, it was almost symbolic. Try, the first, you know, ditch effort for him to kill the monster was killing what he saw in the homeless guy. Maybe that would have changed it, but no, it just <laughs> it made him worse. Right. And also, too, it reminds me of Dexter about him describing the dark passenger and also the monster that he is and hoping to find someone that can see the darkness in him, but also give him some light, light and purpose. Right. And right. so so with Patrick Bateman and everything, he sees the light in everybody that sees through him. In a yes. Sense. Yeah. Just like those three, those three characters. Right. And, you know, I, I, I just want to point this out. This is just how deep it is, because now that you mentioned that, I never noticed that before until you brought up that point. But it's like, I want help. I need help. I want someone to see through my flaws, see through me. And I am I'm don't want to cover this part up. I'm hiding it from my friends, but I want these people, these individuals to see who I am underneath me. Because these are actually yes. strangers to him. Mm -hmm. to see how dangerous like, he actually is exactly and he said in the cab ride with um his fiance he even said i just want to fit in you know so he's trying mm -hmm. so hard to keep up appearances he talks about his mask slipping and if you notice in the laundromat scene where he's mm. 
the you know he's cussing out and then the lady comes in that he knows she's like oh we need to get dinner and he's like okay handle this for me handle this for me and he right at the end drops it you know right as he's going out the door smile 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 and goes and he even talked about that um Christian Bale talked about that, that he did that on purpose. He purposely wanted for people to see his mask slip in that moment. You know, you know, he did a lot of things for this role. You know, this was his breakout role. Number one, right. you know, it right. almost didn't happen. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to be the American psycho. Um, his teeth, he got his teeth done because he said, you know, you know, he's British or, you know, and um, he said, you know, if I'm going to do this role, I want to have the look, you know? And so he went and got his teeth capped and redone. Like, um, and it's perfect though, because that explains the materialistic person that that character actually is. And yes, that's a perfect yes, adaptation yes, yes. of a method actor that would do something. Yeah. Like and, that. And, and he holds his, um, his, uh, uh, um, Oh my gosh, Jessica, uh, accent like his american accent he holds it the whole time until after the movie shows because he doesn't want there to be a disconnect between like a lot of people on set didn't even know he was he was british you know because he he played that method he kept that tone and that accent the whole time the american accent so like people didn't even know i know he's so talented he is i like he's one of my top five he's one of my top five that's why i wanted to do this because he is one of my top five actors of all time just this is, to be honest with you, this is a movie that I've been wanting to review for a long time. I just, I just haven't found the right person to review this with, or anything like that. So I'm glad that you reached out to me when you said, "Hey, look, you're doing American Psycho. I want to do this." So yeah. I do appreciate that. Um, but another, okay, so this is another scene that I'm going to mention is at a business meeting. Bateman and his associates. Uh, well, this that's when they're flaunting their business cards. That's what I have in my notes. Uh, then of course, then that's when Bateman resents Alan for his more uh, uh, lifestyle and his ability to obtain uh, reservation for Dorsia. Oh yeah, Dorsia. <laughs> yeah, a highly expensive restaurant that Bateman is unable to get into. Bateman manipulates Alan into getting drunk and lures him back to his apartment. And this is what makes well, it funny is while playing well, you know, square. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's where it's funny is that, but you know, he knowing that Al Paul Allen always confuses him with Habersham <laughs> is one reason he felt a little um like vindicated, like he could do this or you know, oh I can I can get away with this because oh he thinks I'm Habersham anyway, you know. So right. then he takes him on and pretends to be Habersham the whole time and like, like you said, gets him drunk and um, gets him in his apartment. It's good to be, and, and the whole time he's playing the song, he's talking, like you said, about the useless knowledge he's gained from some, you know, magazine or whatever. And it's hilarious, but it's so over the top. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely over the top. But, and I, he doesn't miss a beat either. He's really uh, into it. Like, he's really believing the crap that's coming out of his mouth and feeling so intelligent. Meanwhile, you have Alan, who's just passed out. He don't care what's going on. <laughs> and he's just zoned out the whole entire time. And then also... He's like, too, why do you got... Why do you got your rain jacket on? Why, why is there... You got a dog in here? Why is there paper on the floor? <laughs> he's out of it. But, yeah, definitely out of it. Especially when... 
Bateman is practically moonwalking, gets the axe, moonwalking over to the other corner, puts the axe down near the corner, and then he starts slipping on the rain jacket. Just is that a rain jacket? Yeah, yes, it is, Paul. I'm glad that you noticed. And then, <laughs> and then he goes on ahead, puts it on, and he goes, "Yeah, this is actually my favorite song." And it may not have been good at the on bill on the billboards, but it's definitely one of the you should acknowledge because of how great <laughs> it is. And he goes, "By the way, Paul." Paul. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's so crazy. So, yeah, and so Ice Nine Kills, they're hip to be scared. Yeah, I saw that you had that play, and that's great. Yes, and that's, <laughs> by the way, if anybody doesn't know, well, hip to be scared uh, scared is actually part of hip to be square, which is what they made the spoof off of, which mm-hmm. Ice Nine Kills, I like how they mixed the 80s music and with the heavy metal style of music because you don't see it oh, coming. Yeah. And that's just fantastic on the way they mixed it like that. Yeah, I agree. And that song in itself and that scene is hilarious because they're all squares, you know? (laughs) And he's singing It's Hip to be Square when he's really the only one who's not. (laughs) You know, he's a psycho serial killer. And he's the only one that's not square, but you don't know that because, (laughs) you know, that that facade. Right. And Crane asked... Hi, hi. you also in, uh, so, uh, so is this movie to watch by yourself in the dark with junk food or with someone with you watching it? Depends who that someone is, because like my first time watching it, I liked being alone. I wanted to see for myself, you know, I'd heard about it. I, you know, got all the commentary and, and everything from different places, but I wanted to visualize it for myself and kind of get my own idea. If I were to watch it with my husband, he would stop every minute. Did you see that? Did you see this? And he would tell me every, like, my husband had a 36 on his ACT. He's a genius. Like, so he's, and he's very up to date on um, pop culture. So he would say, oh, this means this, and this happened to this. And he knows he's the dictionary, encyclopedia, all of it. So, no, I would not want to watch it first time with somebody. (laughs) Second time, yes. Yeah, I would have to say, if they're not into this kind of genre, it's going to throw them for a loop to the point it's like, and if this is a first date, I would definitely not do this as a first date movie. Just letting you guys know that. <laughs> because if, let's say, Unless if, she's she's crazy. Horror, that's if this person's into <laughs> horror, do it. If this person's not into horror, do not do this. Do not let her watch this movie. Because then she's going to be judging you like, this is the first date. Where's the accent? Where's the ladies? <laughs> I don't know. You know. Well, and also, it's a psychological thriller. More so than it is horror, in my opinion. So I'd be sitting there yeah. like, yeah, what, what, what are you playing at, guy? <laughs> What are you playing at? But let me tell you one thing about this movie that I noticed. It's kind of like a Monty Python movie. You know, the first time you watch it, you might be like, "Mm." but the second time you watch it, you're like, oh, this is good. And then the third time you watch it, you're like, this is so good. It's one of my favorites. You know, it just gets better as you watch it. The more times you watch it too. So. Exactly. And Clint Brown says she's definitely crazy. He knows me very well. That's my hubby. <laughs> Thanks for watching, babe, and, and keeping the baby out. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, I wanted him on here. 
I wanted him to do it with me, but he said he had to watch it, you know, again before he's kind of, he's like a study bug, you know, he's got to study up first and then he wanted to do it. I was like, okay, because he's super like knowledgeable and has a take on all of it. So I love listening to him explain stuff. So one day I'll get him on one. (laughs) You see, that's exactly how I am, especially when I was doing the review from last night with Sweet Tooth. I dissect uh, music, match it with the scenes. I look at the background and stuff like that. Camera angles. I do all that stuff. So I'm nerdy <laughs> with that stuff, though, too, Clint. I'm uh, Seriously, I pay attention to every little detail. That's why I watched the Dexter New Blood like five times before doing the review. Watched Sweet Tooth episode two five times before doing it. Well, and, and that's him. He's going to read the book. He's going to read the books. If it has a book with it, he's reading it first. So, you know, he, he gets the book, the idea of the, what the book says and what the movie's like or the show's like, and he can mash it all up and give you all the background. So i tell you what's different, what's not. That's what I love. <laughs> that's awesome, though. That's, that's really cool. Uh, so let's see here. We talked about Bateman takes two workers whom he names Christy and Sabrina to his apartment and expounds them upon his opinions of the band Genesis after they have sex. Bateman brings out the instruments he uses for bodily harm. They later leave his apartment beaten and bloodied. So this time they just get off with like a warning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of them comes back later. And meets her demise, which is the famous him naked, covered in blood, running down the hallway with chainsaw. <laughs> exactly. You know, which and, and that's another thing that people question is how did people how did nobody hear the chainsaw? And when he drops it down the stairwell and it just hits her and cuts her, you know, it kills her right there. How did nobody hear that? Well, did it happen or didn't it? You know, I am of the belief that he did kill people. He killed. He killed everybody he said he did, but nobody believes him because of the culture and because of who he is. And he's going to continue because nobody believes him. Like in the end, when he says, you know, my confession means nothing, like everything means nothing because he's he's getting away with it. Like he's going to keep getting away with it. He's going to be the American psycho. Exactly. And then, you know. Uh, before we get carry on and everything, there's actually a little thing that we need to talk about, and it's probably about Bateman with his manscaping routines, probably in the morning times that he wants to do. <laughs> Matter of fact, you can actually get Manscaped using the promo code Movie Loves Unite with twenty percent off. But before I go on ahead and talk about manscaping, I think Bateman has a few little words that he wants to talk about beforehand. So this is uh, I'm going to leave it to Bateman now. So this is what we're going to do. So, I live in America, Gardens Building on East West Street. On the 11th floor, my name is Patrick Bateman. I am 27 years old. I believe in taking care of myself through a strict regime that includes a balanced diet, a righteous exercise routine. In the morning, if my face is a little puffy, I'll put on an ice pack while doing my stomach crunches. I can do a thousand now. After I remove the ice pack, I use a deep pore cleanser lotion to keep my face clean and blemish free. In the shower, I use the lawnmower 4.0 <laughs> to take care to take care of my boys 
It's designed to be waterproof, so it allows me to get a nice, polished, smooth surface. And also, too, it allows me to get a nice, polished, and smooth finish. Applying the ball deodorant afterwards is a must, as the honey almond body scrubbed alongside the ever exo-flotating gel scrub for my face. <laughs> then I apply a Herbmint Facial Mesquite, which I leave on for 10 minutes. One must keep up with appearances, after all. So that's why you need to have a Manscaped 3.0. Well, 4.0. And I always use an aftershave lotion with a little or no alcohol, since alcohol dries your skin out and makes you look more aged. Moisturizer comes next, followed by a blam, and finally a moisturizing pr protective lotion. There is an idea of Patrick Bateman, <clears throat> some kind of abstraction that the world sees as me, but there is no real me, only an entity, something illusionary. And though I can hide my cold gaze and you can shake my hand and feel f flesh gripping yours because I used the Manscaped 4.0. And maybe you can ever sense our lifestyles are probably comparable. I simply am not there. But that you do see is still a quite dashing shave below the surface with the Manscaped 4.0. You also get engineering the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. The four, their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge cinematic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, I now feel comf confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000 LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave, which is actually perfect for someone like me, Bateman, who loves to go and look at the hard to reach areas that people don't know where I'm cutting cutting other people up into pieces. But, <laughs> but with the LED light, it's just spot on technology, fantastic for the spin, for the for that grooming experience for your boys. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths, sizes one through four, which is actually perfect for me. Then I mentioned wireless charging. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the wrong nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. You need to do it the Bateman style. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. Absolutely not. When I get my, my two prostitutes in my limo, I always wind up using my Manscaped before picking them up and giving them money. <laughs> and it's actually the perfect time to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MovieLoversUnite at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And John, you can go on ahead and take it from here. All right. Thank you, Bateman. I do appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's good because Patrick Bateman is only going to have the best ball trimmer. So I'm just saying, you know. What was that? Ball. That's right. I use the only the best because I am the best. And I use the best business cards <laughs> because I am the best. I use the best of the best because I am the best. And yep. guess what? You know what you want to do, Jesse? You want to use the best trimmer, especially shaving your boys down there. You'll get a fantastic shave. That's what I do. I never, morning. I never let my boys get good. wild. Never. That's good. We that's don't good. Need, you don't want, don't need Chewbacca. No Chewbacca. 
Good. You don't want Chewbacca. You want to have a nice. You want to have a Bateman on you. <laughs> what a and Bateman! What <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be it for Manscape 4.0. All right. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's great. Thanks. I'm going with the Bateman. <laughs> the, the Bateman, Bateman. 4.0. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks. It's oh, great. But yeah, I was practicing that at work like the whole time, like coming up with the monologue and changing the script. <laughs> I didn't keep a straight face. Here's the thing. I learned not to look at my screen, so I don't let the other person... <laughs> Uh, because I notice if I end up looking at you, I'm probably going to wind up losing character. So therefore, I have to keep looking away so the way I don't. <laughs> I see so, that. Yeah, because yeah, that was pretty funny. A couple times I was like, that's funny. <laughs> Thanks. My face. <laughs> I, matter of fact, one of my friends actually code helped write the script for me, though, too. Because I'm like, what do you think of this? He goes, it can be better. It's great, but it could be better. <laughs> Just like Wonder Woman. It's Wonder Woman 1984. It could it's good, but it could be better. So <laughs> so he's like, let me help you out a little bit. So and then of course I improvised a little bit towards the end as well. So <laughs> I'm so glad he helped you with your manscaping. Me too. Well, no. <laughs> I see what I you mean. did there. Okay, so let's get back on with the review. <laughs> so, so the thing that I found the most haunting with this film is the fact that, you know, Bateman's chasing this woman down with the um, chainsaw. He's naked. He, he has shoes on. He also, too, this woman just witnessed her, uh, the, his colleague getting murdered in front of him as well. And so she's shocked by what she just saw. And then, of course, she runs out of the apartment and then she's banging on the doors. No one's letting uh, letting her in. Or Nobody. But this also makes, and I have to agree with Crichton on this, it is open to interpretation on a lot of the scenes very much. And he mm -hmm. goes, I like to, very much how he likes to shoot his movies. But here's the thing. This is what makes me think that it's just in his mind. Because any person would open the door Especially when the woman is beating up, and I know I'm a heavy sleeper, but there's no, there's a chainsaw coming at. You can actually hear the chainsaw. But okay. you have to remember. When, I'm going to interrupt. You have to remember where Patrick Bateman is. Okay, he is in the middle of the yuppie culture of the time. He lives in what he mm. thinks is one of the best places. So he's going to live around like-minded people. So why would they care if there's a girl beating on the door and you hear a chainsaw, you know, like all the guys when they're sitting around talking about girls, there's no good girl, there are hot women with good personalities, you know, like that kind of thing. They're all like, why would they, are they even home at that time? You know, are they out at, you know, one of the nice restaurants? It's, it's kind of one of those things that's so over the top, but they want you to see how um, blind these people are mm. in that area. You think about it. You know, of course, anybody in a normal society would probably like, what the heck's going on? But in his world, Patrick Bateman's world, where he is, they don't give a crap. They don't give a crap about anybody but themselves. And that's, that's part true. of why, you know, okay, but continue. You know what? You just debunked everything that I thought. So I'm going to go with you <laughs> on that. 
<laughs> and I, here's the thing. And the debunker. I'm okay with here's. I'm glad that you ended up saying that though. Don't feel bad for changing my mind or anything like that because it does fit in with his character of the fact that these people are like minded. They're just like Bateman. They are totally into themselves and oblivious, just oblivious. <laughs> right. And also, too, I mean, these people are some people that you don't want to meet out on the streets or anything like that. These are just very right. egotistical people. These are the people that, you know, there's a statistic out there that if you, you're more likely to, um, if you, if you're attacked, you know, out in public and there's a group around, you're more likely to not get help than if you, if one person was there, it's kind of that mentality. It's an, it's almost like it's an inconvenience to these people because you'd be that, that girl who's about to be murdered is an inconvenience She's interrupting our time, our night. We don't have time for that. You know, it's almost like that, you know, and they're, and they're just backwards. Like you said, egotistical, just they're, they're almost, um, what is the word when you, um, well, they're detached. They're detached from, the reality that's happening. Right. Yeah. Like, this is actually happening. This girl's getting murdered. This is what I think. She's getting murdered and they're detached. They're thinking this is an inconvenience. If I open that door, I'm going to have to do something. So why, why would I open that door? Right. I, I don't care. You know? Right. And then as she's running down the stairs, you see Bateman chasing after her. And then he takes the chainsaw and he throws yes. it down the stairs <laughs> and tries to get her. <laughs> And then he winds up killing her, and then he winds up going over to the, per the that person's house that he killed from the beginning of the film. And of course, that's when you find out that you know there's no bodies there; everything is just spotless and clean. Everything is fine. Spotless. And then, of course, too, he does go out on a shooting spree like GTA. Basically, mm -hmm. uh, he was going to go on ahead shoot a stray cat because the machine supposedly said the ATM supposedly said. Feed it. Uh, I want, feed, I me, want, feed me the cat. <laughs> yeah, feed me the cat. Which, to me, looks like a callback to They Live from the 1980s mm. film. Because it was about mm. society. It was about, during the um, the administration, it was during the Reagan era. Where it was okay. about rich people, society, and things like that. And that's what it kind of reminds me of, that kind of flavor. It was like a callback to John Carpenter's They Live a Little Bit, seeing that play mm. out. And then, of course, uh, then, of course, he winds up shooting this one person who has a dog. And then next thing you know, he goes into the, where the security guy is. He shoots him. Shoots and then him, just shoots, shoots everybody. But then again, why would they care about the security guard? No, he's not there. I mean, he's not as important as they are. So, of course, nobody's going to think about that. You know, when um, to the um, ATM scene, when it says, you know, when it says feed me the cat, I thought about Son of Sam. It wasn't that Son of Sam that had the dog talking to him or yeah. what, what serial killer was. It? OK, so There's I was Son thinking, so, OK, so I was thinking Son of Sam. Well, that's he was a psycho serial killer. So to me, you know, OK, it's the ATM, though, talking because he's so materialistic he's going to listen to the money like i'm thinking he's following what the money and what that culture that rich society 
is is telling him to do in a sense, you know, and then the old lady interrupts and well, she got in the way, so she's got to go, you know, she's seeing him, you know, that's why she dies, you know, she's seeing him. Um, well, she saw him do that, but she's not seeing him like the others as a psycho. She approaches him like he's normal. And, she just, and then she sees that he has this cat. She's like, what are you doing to that cat? You know, and then he kills her, you know. Right. So and of course, it's just, right. it's so symbolic, you know. Definitely. And then he goes upstairs into his office after he signs off on the thing saying that he's there. And then he calls up his lawyers. Hey, look, I murdered a lot of people. And I need some help. Mm-hmm. And at this Tell time, how he does helicopter. it. Right. Yeah, everything. He goes into the goriest details. <laughs> he, he really does. And then you see a holocaust. He even ate them. Over. He ate them. He's like, I He's, ate some of them. <laughs> right, because we see that play out in the pro- with the prostitute when he when he winds up biting her leg. Mm-hmm. Also, yep. so yeah. How many characters, how many people did he kill? Let's see, there was the two prostitutes. Well, let's start from the beginning. The homeless man, the prostitutes, two prostitutes, the old lady, uh, Paul Allen. Five. um, That one lady that he meets on the sidewalk and follows her. Do you remember that? She was very, just insignificant, but she was um, her. um, Because her head, her head. The colleague, wait, the colleague, which colleague? Paul Allen? No, there was the female colleague that he winds up trying to have the threesome with. So that's seven. Yes, yes, seven. Uh, The police officer, did you count him? Yeah, well, no. The police officer, that's eight. Um, So at least ten people, I would say. I mean, yeah, at least. That we saw. (laughs) But that doesn't count the dead bodies that we saw in the closet, in the body bags and stuff either. But I'm only counting yeah. the ones that we saw. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, he kills loads of people. And God knows how many times he's been killing and everything, too. He's definitely a serial killer. We can put it that way. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Let's see. Or zero. Clint says, or zero. <laughs> Clinton, we talked about this in the shower. <laughs> <You're a manscaping. laughs> While you were manscaping. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh yeah. I like how this movie is open to interpretation and it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. Each person's interpretation can be different. And that's why I like the Sopranos Mm -hmm. ending the way it ended was because it was open to interpretation. And so (laughs) I like how I I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with it. I could not deal with that. I need to know. I think female, we got to know. Well, Yeah, probably, but I didn't like it. I liked it. Okay, I love The Sopranos, but my husband, pop culture guru, we watched it together. He'd never seen it, but he knew the ending the whole time. And he's like, I don't think you're going to like the ending. And I'm like, they all die. They all die. It's worse. I don't know. I wish I would have seen them all die. I don't know. And me not knowing, I had this huge open Gaping Sopranos wound in my heart that cannot be filled until I know what happened. Anyway. But yeah. Um, but as far as this movie goes, this actually had uh, a sequel to this film, though, too. Yeah. And did you know Mila Kunis did not even know this? she was in a sequel? She had no clue until see, after 
It was released. <laughs> she didn't know it was That's that. crazy. Or did she? I don't think she would know because I I know some people's like, well, how does she how does an actress not know what movie she's in? But don't forget, they could be called one movie and then you get into production and they get it over to the studio, then the studio changes things. Okay, so yeah, there's a lot of productions I've been in that the what I got cast for, the movie title is not what they ended up with. <laughs> so right. yeah, I can see how she could Okay, I'm doing this, and then right, you know, if but, you, I would love to remake it, and I would love to be the psycho, like my husband said. <laughs> if I uh, if I had to put, I would actually put this in like the '90s, not the '80s. If I was going to remake it, I wouldn't yeah. do modern style. I would like to go on ahead, do it into a '90s kind of realm versus the '80s. Why? Because I just feel like it's more fitting to have it in the 90s. It has that old school flavor vibe to it a little bit. It also gives a lot more of a culture vibe. Also, too, technology's changed a little bit yeah. since the 80s. So we have a little bit of yeah. 90s detective work going on in it versus 80s detective work. Did you know they had him do, um, oh, what's his name? I always. William Defoe? The, the detective, William yeah. Defoe. They had him do that three different ways. Like really? he didn't believe. Yeah. So he had to do his lines like he did not believe that he was the killer, that he did believe he was the killer, and that, um, oh, he, I can't remember the third one. Maybe it was just a co combination, you know? Um, and then they mixed it together. That's why we don't ever know as the viewers what he really thinks. Like at one point we think, yeah, he, he does think he's the killer, you know, the way he grills him about, oh, you were at this restaurant with him. But then again, he comes in at a different point and you're like, oh, maybe he's going to get away with it. Maybe he doesn't think he's the killer. They had him do it three different ways so they could pull from each of those. I thought that oh, was cool. That is pretty cool, to be honest with you. Uh, so, as far as this movie goes and everything, I definitely enjoyed it. For the matter of fact, the first time I saw it was like last year during the pandemic and everything. So, what better way to be trapped in the trapped in your home, even though I was working, uh, even though I did get to go to work and everything? But what better way to come home and just be trapped with Bateman for a little bit? For well you know, and to be honest with you, I didn't watch it until like right, right. You know, I contacted you. It was right before I contacted you, and it was like, hey, I want to do this one because I had always heard about it, you know. And it's mm -hmm. kind of one of those that you think, oh yeah, I probably watched it, but you would remember it. And so my husband was like, yeah, you need to watch that if you, you know. It's like I guess I will, and I did, and I was like hooked, like just hooked. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely does reel you in. I'll tell you that. Um, yes. So with that being said, where can everybody reach you at and stuff like that? If they want to follow you on social media, if you have any ways for people to follow you at and all that good stuff. Yeah. I'm um, on Instagram as Jesse KB four nine. I'm on um, Facebook as Jesse Hendricks and Kennedy Brown. Um, and I'm on TikTok as jump on it. Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome. So with me, you guys can go on ahead and reach out to me at Movie Lovers TV Loves Unite on Facebook. Follow me there. Of course, on Instagram underneath the same brand name and on Pinterest as well. Then, of course, you guys can also reach out to me on TikTok as well at Movie Lovers Unit Zero. That's where you guys can go on ahead and follow me over there. I do some PR stuff from time to time over there. Of course, if you want an audio-only podcast of this episode and many episodes that we do here at Movie Lovers Unite, you can get that wherever you guys get your major podcasts from. Also, too... I also have a little fundraiser that I'm doing with Two Blur Girls Podcast. It's with uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So if you go ahead, get yourself a Sensi. All proceeds go over to the Children's of St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Also, too, if you want to donate to the page and everything, how do you do that? You just go to GoFundMe.com forward slash Movie Lovers Podcast, and that's how you can donate five ten dollars over here to us. That's just to go ahead and keep the lights here on at Movie Lovers Unite. But you guys don't have to. <laughs> At all. Because, guess what? A simple like, a simple share, subscribing, and smashing that subscribe button on the bottom right-hand corner is a great way to support us. Also, too, smashing that little bell on the bottom right-hand corner to allow you guys to know when we have something new coming out and when we're about to go live. So, that also helps you out. That helps me out. It's a win-win situation. So, then, of course, you guys can go on ahead, follow, uh, go on ahead and reach out to me if you're a sponsor or would like to be on the show. All you have to do is just go on ahead and reach out to me at movielovesunite at gmail.com. And, of course, on Monday, uh, I, I'm actually doing a Teen Wolf review with Made for TV podcast oh, starring Michael J. Fox. So, we're doing that tomorrow night. Uh, we're doing that Monday night, 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific Time. Then... I'm going to be on That's So Matthew podcast on Tuesday, so there's not going to be any shows on Tuesday or anything. But do me a favor, guys. Go on ahead and smash that subscribe button, smash that share button, smash that like button, and also smash that little bell in the bottom right-hand corner to let you guys know when we have something new coming out. But also, too, Wednesday, I don't have anything planned, but you know what you guys can do? Head over to the Movie Loves Unite Facebook page, and and you guys can check out what we have next coming out. So I'm going to get some stuff together for the rest of the week. And thanks again, Jesse. I do appreciate you so much for joining me yet again for another review. This has been great, just like the last time. I can't wait to do this again with you. (laughs) It's been fun. I'm going to be honest with you. This has been a Thank you. I enjoyed it. I really do enjoy this time. So appreciate you. Anytime. Thank you. And let's see here. We have someone in the comments. And thank you. And that's my fiance, Brandy. Thank you, baby. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Brandy, fiance. Oh, I saw those pictures, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you so much. That means so much to us, Jesse. Thank you. I do appreciate that. And always until next time, guys. It's been fun. It's been real. I can't wait to do this again. And bye-bye. Bye.